This is the CIS podcast, What You Need to Know About, with Carla Pincott. The term NIMBY, not in my backyard, is well known, but in the housing space, we're now seeing a couple of new terms, FIMBY, public housing in my backyard, and the emerging YIMBY movement, which is getting growing attention, which is yes in my backyard. Today, we're joined by CIS Chief Economist, Peter Tulip, to explain what you need to know about the YIMBY movement, Peter, the YIMBY push seems to have started in the US, but we're now seeing it here. Is it mainly a Sydney movement in Australia or is it spreading? Well, yeah, it's interesting how these ideas spread. Um, I think it actually started, is rather than the geographic spread, what I think is interesting is how ideas filter starting off in academia and then they move to think tanks like us and then they move to the economic journalists then the mainstream journalists, and then the general public, and finally, if ever, the politicians. <laughs> um, and, and, so we've, and so we've been moving, just in the past few years, rapidly over, along the first three or four stages of that process. Um, and I think in housing policy, I mean, you get a similar movement with a lot of movements for economic reform, that transition. Um, but here with housing policy, it's spreading a bit quicker. Mm-hmm. On the geographic spread, um, so there is now a, a very growing, a very quickly growing grassroots movement that is aimed at arguing about housing policy in their neighbourhoods with their neighbours and local councillors and local politicians. Is is that grassroots movement mainly millennials and younger people or or are there people across all age groups joining the YIMBY movement? It's it's mixed, but I think with most political... Well, it's mixed. Um, Many political movements are disproportionately filled with the young, except in this case on housing, the opposition, the NIMBY movement, is overwhelmingly old. And they're <laughs> often retirees, typically homeowners. Um, they're the main opposition. If, but if I can go back to answer your previous question, um, which I never got around to, um, at a grassroots level, the first really active group was in Canberra, a group called Greater Canberra. And they now have a large active membership and they're very good at just at writing submissions um, and airing their views in local media and so on. Canberra is a bit unusual because the territory government is the same as the local government. Mm -hmm. So they only have one audience to aim at. Whereas in Sydney, we've got 30 local councils. There's another very active group in Melbourne and there's a group that's just started up in Sydney. In fact, it had its public launch last week. Um, I think they had about two, there are about 200 people at an inner city pub t- turning up for that. That's, that's a good roll up. And, and how are the YIMBYs building support in the community? How are they getting the word out to other people? Well, so I think we're doing. I mean, the CI- people like the CIS are playing a very big role in that. Um, in particular, there's still the research on this question is still not well understood. And in particular, I don't think local councils and many local politicians realise the harm that planning restrictions do. And so I think um, this is an issue 
in which we're still at the education stage. Okay. And so there, um, academics have done some of the initial work, but now it's much more, the big priority is translating the research from academic journals into language that the general public okay. can understand. Um, and that can be, and I mean, our main menu way of doing that is through the media and through our own publications. The YIMBY movement is doing it much more in their communities. So they're going along to council meetings, making speeches, trying to convince their neighbours that housing is a good thing. And once they get beyond the education stage, how do they hope to, or what levels of government will they hit to change housing policy, only the local level or also at state and federal? Well, the way it, they have been organising, especially in Sydney and Melbourne, um, Canberra is a bit different, uh, is in, in local neighbourhoods that you can go along to your local council. Be, because a lot of the, it's easy to have a debate over a specific proposal that such and such a builder wants to put eight stories mm -hmm. at, at this location and you have something concrete to argue about with people on na local residents on both sides. And so there'll be a very active debate there over specific developments. And that parallels with, I guess, the discussion we at the CIS are having, which tends to be based aimed much more at state politicians and in some case federal politicians. Yeah. So the two are working together, but obviously the arguments are a bit different um, and the audiences are quite different. Well, one of the criticisms that we've been seeing in the media is, if I can paraphrase one of the media mastheads, that the Yimbis are cheerleaders for unlimited development. What's your, what's your response to that, Peter? So, first of all, it's, it's not true um, that the grass these are grassroots movements. I mean, their budgets barely reach three figures. <laughs> I mean, they don't have they don't have official stationery. They don't have any staff or any resources at all. And there's no, no hidden agenda there with developers and so on, as as has been hinted at in some of the media. No, but I think. The more important issue is that you really need, people should judge these arguments on their merits. And you don't need ulterior motives to campaign for more housing when you've just got libraries filled with academic research supporting your case. That the, the academic research in favor of relaxing planning restrictions and having more housing is just overwhelming. And you don't need any in, um, ulterior incentive to read that and talk about it. It's just anyone interested in public policy and what's maybe the biggest social problem Australia is facing at the moment should just read the research and, it's, and everything follows from that. It would, well, it would seem that the research and certainly the Yimbys themselves are proposing sensible solutions. But as we all know, sensible solutions don't always get up. Now, the, the NIMBY movement is quite strong in Australia. In the face of, and I guess finally, do you see YIMBYs prevailing in the end? Yes. And so if you look, and you can see that from around the world, 
that the academic research on the real harm being done by zoning policy started up, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago and has been, was very strong. I mean, over 10 years ago, it built up. And since then, zoning policy and housing policy has been changing substantially in many, many countries around the world. Um, lots of states, lots of cities in the United States are leading this charge. Um, though the best single example is New Zealand, which has just overhauled its housing policies to allow much more housing. And it's developing great results. Rents in Auckland, the leading city, are down 20% since they reformed their housing policy. So the, the force of history is on the YIMBY side. Um, it will, my sense is it will take a long, long time. Um, these things very often do. I mean, the translation of an idea from academic research to actual policy is usually measured in decades or even generations. So organisations like the CIS will have their work cut out for them for a long time to come. We'll be back soon explaining what you need to know about the key developments in Australia.